I was delighted to learn that my novel Loving Artemis, an endearing tale of revolution, love and marriage, published by Thorn Heart Press, recently made Q Spirit's list of the top LGBTQ books of 2022. Q Spirit is the LGBTQ inclusive Christian newsletter published by Kitteridge Cherry. Being on this list inspired me to share chapter 15 of Loving Artemis for which I did a fair amount of research on the saintsoncatholic.com which I combined with research on dropping acid. It is fiction, but sometimes I imagine that I was actually there. Come on in, Beth said to Grace. She stood inside the open door. I was hoping you'd come early. There's something I want to ask you. Take off your coat and get comfortable. Sorry about being so early, Grace replied as she passed through the doorway. I had an argument with my mom and had to get out of the house. Beth shrugged. I guess that's the drawback of having a mother around to fight with. Grace took off her coat and looked down at the brown shag carpeting. Maybe Beth would feel better knowing that she wasn't the only one with a crazy mother, thought Grace. She looked up. Grace usually saw Beth at school under the fluorescent lights, but here in the house light pooled from two living room lamps with thick ceramic bases and ivory shades. A lava lamp, a chrome base and top with glass in between where a red orb languidly moved through midnight blue liquid, anchored the far end table. In the soft light cast from the incandescent bulbs, Beth's long, pale face looked even fairer. Grace could just see the large, pallid freckles splotched across the tops of her cheeks. My mom told me that she wants me to be a nun, Grace blurted. Wow. That's far out. I thought my mom was crazy, laughed Beth. She pointed the way down the hallway to her father's bedroom. You can put your coat on the bed. Grace headed down the hall. She knew where she was going because the layout of the house was identical to hers, like most houses in this town. After she put her coat on the bed, she turned around to leave and saw a mirror on the wall over a dresser next to the closed closet door. The beige closet door was pulled across in folds like an accordion. Light spilled from the fixture in the middle of the dingy room. The beige carpeting was stained, and Grace was tempted to go over and run her finger through the layer of dust on the dresser. Grace saw a mirror on the wall and walked over to it. She fluffed her bangs and ran her fingers through her shoulder-length sandy hair. It hung in loose curls that framed her face on the sides. She straightened her aviator glasses and grinned at her reflection. She didn't look anything like a nun. She looked like a high school girl who was ready to party. She went out into the living room and sat down on the overstuffed tan couch. Beth was on the other side of the room with her back to her. Her heart-shaped ass was poured into her jeans. It looked like she was stacking albums on the stereo. The record dropped. The needle scratched vinyl. Grace heard the opening strains and low voices of Pink Floyd in the dark side of the moon. How's the volume? Beth asked as she turned her head toward Grace. It's a little low, Grace responded loudly. She raised her voice to be heard over the music. I'll turn it up in a minute, Beth replied. First, there's something I want to ask you. She came over and sat next to Grace on the sofa. Grace looked at Beth expectantly. Look what I have, Beth announced. She leaned back and pulled a plastic baggie out of the pocket of her faded jeans. Inside the clear baggie, a piece of paper was folded over. George is coming later, and he gave me something to get started with. I have two tabs. Do you want to take a trip with me? Beth reached into the baggie and pulled out the paper. Grace paused and looked at the piece of blue-tinted blotter paper Beth held in her hand. Small perforations separated the two. Squares and tiny drops glistened on each square. The drops were hardened, like candy dots on paper, but not as big and round. Grace knew what it was, she'd seen it before, but Grace had never dropped acid. She remembered a junior high school program when a cop came to give an assembly about drugs and showed the students a film on the dangers of taking acid. She remembered a young woman standing on a high rooftop. 
A male voice said that she thought she could fly because she had taken acid. The movie had seemed a little far-fetched. Grace didn't know if she had believed it. But she hesitated a little because she was a little afraid of taking acid. But she did want to be cool like Beth. Even though she could barely admit it to herself, she knew she wanted to be with Beth even if all they were doing was sitting on the couch and dropping acid. I don't know, said Grace. I tripped once before, and it was beautiful. I'll stay with you. And I'll make sure you get home okay. Beth reached over and touched Grace's forearm. Grace was amazed Beth could sense how she was feeling. Beth's fingertips were warm on her arm. Grace hadn't smoked or drunk anything since she arrived, but the music put her in a different dimension. She thought about the conversation she had earlier with her mother. A nun? Her? How ridiculous is that? She turned, looked at Beth, and said, sure. Beth smiled beatifically. Just lick the paper. You take one square. I'll take the other. It only takes a little. Beth laid the squares on the end table and picked up a pen knife. As she leaned over, her shirt pulled up on the side and exposed a triangle of pale skin. Grace tried not to stare, but her eyes kept returning to that small naked place. Beth sat back and handed Grace a square. Here, she said. Let's do it together. Just let it dissolve in your mouth like a piece of candy. Beth used her teeth to pull the tab off the paper. The tab was on the tip of her tongue. It disappeared into her mouth. Grace did the same thing. They were silent for a moment. Grace listened to the lyrics of Breathe while the acid melted on her tongue. It tasted mildly bitter, like the cooked turnip that Grace had bit into once and then vowed never to eat it again. It'll take about a half hour or so to kick in, said Beth. We could smoke a joint while we wait, but it'll be wasted. Let's just sit back and wait. Beth took a breath, sat back, closed her eyes. Grace did the same. In about 15 minutes, the doorbell rang. Beth got up. Then the doorbell rang again. Grace heard voices. The living room sounded like it was filling up. She opened her eyes for a few seconds and then closed them again. She felt the sofa seat cushions go down, and then she heard Beth saying, I'm back. It's almost time for us to leave the station. The doorbell rang again. Someone else can answer it, Beth muttered. It's George, commented a deep voice. Tell him to come in and make himself at home, Beth said. Grace heard a voice next to them and she opened her eyes. George was standing in front of Beth. Strands of his shoulder length. Brown hair fell forward as he bent over and put large hands on her skinny knees. Hey, baby, he said in a voice that was so deep it was cavernous. Did you take what I gave you? I split it with Grace, said Beth. Hello, Grace, George greeted her. Grace had heard about George. He was in his twenties, and everyone knew he was a drug dealer, so it didn't surprise Grace he could get Beth anything she wanted. He gave Beth the tabs of acid that she was sharing with Grace after all. Still, Grace didn't know why he was here. Grace though it was unnatural for Beth to be with an older man, she should be with a girl her own age, right? Grace stared at George, willing him to go away. I'm sure Grace won't mind if you leave for a little while. I have somewhere for us to go, George announced. We're going to take a little trip together. But I told Grace that I would take a trip with her. Maybe she can come with us, Beth protested, a touch of a whine in her voice. George was firm. No, baby, this trip is just for us. I don't mind, said Grace, but she did mind. Then she drifted into another dimension where everything was okay. George and Beth were where they were supposed to be. She was where she was supposed to be. She closed her eyes. She felt the empty seat cushion next to her. Beth was gone, and Grace felt anxious. Most of the kids at the party and the older guys, like George, were cooler than her. She heard some of them were drug dealers. They probably had tripped before. 
but then she remembered it was okay. They were who they were, and she was who she was. She put her hand out in front of her and left a purple trail in the air. She listened to the lyrics of Breathe. The record played to the end, and she heard another album drop. She thought she heard the song again. Beth loved Pink Floyd, and she had put a stack of albums on the stereo. Did she have two of the Dark Side of the Moon albums stacked on top of each other? It was then that Grace comprehended that everything was in an endless loop and that she would be hearing the Pink Floyd song Breathe Forever. Her mother's voice echoed in her mind, Become a nun. A nun. A nun. The words were purple and green. They trailed through her mind like streamers unfurling from small planes that flew over the ocean, except that there was no airplane and the words trailed around her in a circle. She felt trapped. Grace stood in the middle of a vortex. She remembered the domes of the Orthodox Church that she saw earlier in the evening. In her memory, they looked like gleaming. Mushroom caps. Maybe her mother was right. If she were a nun, she could make a difference. She could heal the sick. She could perform miracles. She could live in a convent with other women who did not want to marry men. When she was a child, her favorite television program was The Flying Nun. The program opened with Sally Fields, as the young novice sister Bertiel, flying over the mountainside and tumbling through the blue sky. Grace remembered feeling as if she could fly. She could fly. Then she remembered that Beth's house, like hers, was only two stories high. Still, she could fly if she felt like getting up from the couch. She could be a nun if she wanted to. She remembered reading about the saints when she was getting ready for her confirmation and learning that so many of the female saints had been nuns. They swirled around in her memory, Joan of Arc, dressing in men's clothing, mounting her horse, leading the troops, Saint Hildegard of Bingen, seeing visions and writing music. Saint Faith, a young woman remembered for being a virgin and martyr, was tortured to death on a red-hot brazier. The saints receded. Grace became anxious again. That would be just her luck to become a nun and be tortured to death on a red-hot brazier. What was a red-hot brazier? It reminded her of a bra. Was it a brazier or a brazier? What was the difference? Grace was enjoying her trip half the time. She waved her hand in front of her face again. It left a neon blue trail. The other half of the time, she was apprehensive. She looked at her hand again. It looked like it belonged to someone else and it was coming toward her. The hand moved back again. She could tell that it was hers because she could wave it in the air. A spring green trail turned bright yellow. The colors pulsed. Then they faded. The hand looked normal. But it still looked as if it belonged to a stranger. Grace was in her own universe. Would this ever end? Would she ever not be anxious? Would fear eat away at her until she was dead? The sweet smell of cannabis smoke filled the air. Man, Beth knew how to throw a party, and Grace loved Beth. But it was Beth's fault that Grace was on this trip. Beth might never come back, and then Grace might be on this trip forever. Time was a circle. She found herself in a hot pink tunnel with a white flower at the end. She felt like a saint. She was a saint and so was Beth. Beth was a saint from a pagan family, and she ran a brothel in the Temple of Venus. Grace worked for Beth in the brothel, but somehow, it was a miracle really, Grace managed to stay a virgin. Venus was a planet and a goddess. Grace had a recent memory of Venus shining down on her. Someone came and knelt in front of her. Deep-set, caring brown eyes looked at Grace. Under windswept short brown hair, her face was handsome, masculine, but feminine, too, with fine features. Grace decided that the person must be Saint Anne. She took Grace's hand. It seemed like a miracle, but Grace took it in stride. Miracles were becoming commonplace. Grace knew about Saint Anne. She was from a good family and forced to marry. After she was widowed, she disguised herself as a man and went to live in a monastery. 
This Saint Anne was wearing a black leather jacket. Her windswept hair was short. Her nose, upturned. She looked at Grace intently with sad brown eyes. When she opened her mouth to speak, a Gregorian chant escaped. Grace leaned back. She felt the cool stone arches of the cathedral. She heard voices rising. She could smell the sweet scent of colors cast by the stained glass windows. Sky blue blazed from the image of the Virgin Mary. Her halo radiated sparks of golden light. Gradually, the colors faded. The Gregorian chants receded. Grace recognized Saint Anne wasn't a figment of her imagination. She actually knelt in front of her. She held on to Grace's hand. Hey! My name is Art. I'm in your English lit class. I recognize you, Grace drawled. You're Saint Anne. Saint Anne laughed, turned serious, and said, We've seen each other around school. Oh? I think you're wrong. You're Saint Anne. I was raised in the Orthodox Church, and we tend to have angels rather than saints. But trust me, I'm no angel. I'm taking a trip, said Grace. She held on to Saint Anne's hand. A trip? Saint Anne's sad eyes widened. She looked like a boy, but prettier, thought Grace. She had an idea. That fast, she forgot what it was. Are you okay? Saint Anne asked. I'm doing great, me and the flying nun. Saint Anne laughed. I like that show, too. But seriously, are you okay? I hear tripping can be kind of, intense. Grace gazed languidly at her in amazement. Haven't you ever tripped? She still couldn't believe that she was speaking to Saint. Anne. She was so handsome. I don't see any reason to mess with my molecular structure, said Saint Anne. I'd offer to smoke a joint with you, but you probably don't need it. No, I'm fine, even though taking the trip wasn't my idea. I came early and Beth asked me if I wanted to take a trip with her. Where is she? Beth? St. Anne's eyes narrowed. It figures that she got you into this. She's in her bedroom with George. I saw them going down the hallway when I first came in. They'll probably be in there all night. That's nice, said Grace. The only thing is that she promised to stay with me. And now I'm alone. How am I going to stand up? How am I going to walk? How am I going to get home? I think I could fly, but first I have to get there. How much did you take and when did you take it? Grace told her. It's your first time? Grace nodded. You should have only taken half a hit. Satan stood up. Then she sat down on the couch next to Grace. But don't worry, I'm staying with you. And I'm right here. You should be coming down in another hour or so. Grace felt her knee leaning against something solid. She looked down and saw that it was St. Anne's knee. A halo of golden light emanated around the circles where their knees touched. Grace looked at it with amazement. She leaned into her new friend. St. Anne felt solid and soft. I'll make sure that you get home all right. I'll take you home on. My motorcycle. Motorcycle? Art nodded. Then you really are St. Anne, said Grace. She knew she had a future. She knew somehow that there were motorcycles in it, ridden by women like St. Anne. She smiled. It felt like eternity passed, and the party started to wind down. It must have been a few hours and Grace was starting to come down also. She could tell by the solid way she walked behind Art. For a moment, it felt like she hadn't dropped acid at all. But even though her feet were moving like it was business as usual, her mind was turning the drab house into a wonderland. Grace looked at the lava lamp with blobs of color melting through light in a glass cylinder. She looked away as she followed her new friend, but the image of the lava lamp stayed with her. The front hallway she walked through turned into a lava lamp. With each step she took, she was becoming the orbs of color melting into light. Grace followed Saint Anne outside and got onto the back of her motorcycle. Grace wrapped her arms around her. They started to move. 
The night air felt good against Grace's face. She could feel purple streamers of light trailing behind them. She hadn't jumped out of a window, but she was flying. What is your house number? St. Anne asked when they were stopped at a red light. Seven, replied Grace over the purr of the engine. Seven was her house number, and it was also the number of glowing angels that descended from the stars and spoke her name. When they pulled up at the curb outside her house, Grace got off the bike. She knew she lived there, but at the same time she wasn't sure if she was really the girl who lived there. She sat down in the street. Whoa, said St. Anne. Are you okay? She got off her bike and helped Grace to her feet. Grace wondered if she really had met St. Anne. Could it be true? She reached out and took St. Anne in her arms. St. Anne hugged her back. Then they were still hugging, but they were looking at each other. Their faces moved toward each other. They kissed with their mouths open. Their tongues touched. Grace felt an outline of yellow light fusing them together. The future flew by and brushed the side of her head. It felt like an angel's wing. But St. Anne pulled back. She put her hand on Grace's arms, steadying her. This isn't right, she said. You're still tripping. Be careful when you go in the house. Don't make any noise in whatever you do. Don't talk to anyone. Just go to bed. Grace did as she was told. She tiptoed into the house, went to her room, and lay on the bed fully clothed. She had touched St. Anne and wanted to keep the touch with her. She stared at the ceiling until the entire evening, gazing at the star of Venus, dropping acid with Beth, and kissing St. Anne, became a dream. For more information on my most recent novel Loving Artemis, an endearing tale of revolution, love, and marriage, click here.